We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Field of 68 Media Network presents Red is the New Orange, a Syracuse basketball podcast. Vincent intercepts a pass, breakaway for the freshman guard, he flies and slams! Aerial assault from Judah Vince! Looking to go back door to Bell, they get it to a mere corner, three, knocks it down! Chris Bell, the sharpshooter! Bringing you everything you need to know out of the 3-1-5. Up top, Williams searches ahead, up with the right hand and in! A pretty up-and-under move from Benny Williams to beat his man. Over to Taylor. He skips into the lane, puts up a floater, and drops in. Let's get it started with your host, Ian Unsworth and Johnny Gadamowitz. We got a two-game special this week. Ian Unsworth, Johnny Gadamowitz on Red is the New Orange, a Field of 68 podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, F68 underscore Qs. Also drop a follow to the field of 68, Rob Doster, Jeff Goodman, and the guys are actually down in Boca right now for the field of 68 tip-off classic with Liberty, Charleston, and FAU. So they've got live recaps every night. Also, the games are actually on TV on ESPNU. I think the game tonight is Liberty, Charleston at 6. So check that out. Also, check out all the other team pods. And you can listen to us, Megaphone, Spotify, Apple Music, or Apple Podcasts, something like that. Johnny, Same I difference. got caught up in the Spotify rap. I think Apple Music is something like that. Uh, my Spotify rap was all future. Um, okay, so see, I share my Spotify with my whole family, so we were getting a real mixed bag of, of Spotify. <laughs> so we had so Big so Time dad, Rush on there. We had Morgan Wallen on. I mean, take your pick. It was there. Well, you got a jumble of tastes, at yes. least. I think I think that's that's the good thing. And mine we'll was leave it all, at that. Mine was all rap, so, you know. It is It is what it is. Speaking of a jumble, Syracuse LSU. First half, not good. Second half, really good. And by the way, we'll have Mike Barber from the Richmond Times-Dispatch on in a bit to preview Syracuse and Virginia. That's a Cavaliers team that looks really different from a year ago. So you want to stick around and hear that. Back to LSU. First half, 34-28, to 33-28. After thir- after 20 minutes, again, jumbled. I can't do the math here. But just not pretty basketball. Not at all. A lot of offensive rebounds. A lot of turnovers. Fouls at the end of the first half got in the way of the rhythm. But if there's one thing that cut through it all, 
whether it was a four-minute Syracuse scoring drought, whether it was LSU constantly beating the orange to the boards. It was Judah Mintz. Judah Mintz, at the end of the day, was the best player on the floor for the entire 30-something minutes that he played. He had an 8-0 run himself to start half number two. Career high in points. I think what's encouraging from a team standpoint as a holy, and you mentioned that ugly first half, still finding a way to be up at the break, right? Up by five. We talk about, okay, we've had conversations of this team needing to find a way to piece together a full, strong 40 minutes. And while it certainly wasn't a full, strong 40 minutes, at the same token, at least you're getting a little more consistency, dare I say, from start to finish in terms of finding a way to be on top of the break. But Judah, just incredible. Um, I mean, he had a ferocious posterizing slam that set social media ablaze that probably uh, ticked him up on mock drafts a couple of slots. But at the end of the day, he is the star that is going to shine brightest for Syracuse this year. There's no doubt about it. And if Syracuse wants any chance at, you know, hitting its ceiling, you know, having consistent Judaman superstar type performances, which is what we got against LSU is something that is going to do Syracuse a lot of favors. As far as the second half, um, it, it, it looked a lot cleaner. I mean, you talk about the orange being plus 13 on the glass in the second half alone, they were going to work on the boards, which is something I know I've called for them to do more on this podcast. And it was nice to see that even in a first half, where things weren't going so swimmingly, you still find a way to lock in and, you know, find a way to adjust and really put your foot down, down the home stretch of that contest. So there were 17 first half fouls combined and 15 first half turnovers, not good basketball. There was a lack of organized offensive identity. I think for Syracuse, it turned into a lot of indecision. Uh, We got 10 seconds worth swing the ball around who's going to do something they took a lot of long twos which just is never a good offensive formula to succeed um but throughout that first half you saw mints start to get a feel for the game and something that the espn broadcast which i thought was fantastic by the way kevin brown and i think it was chris patola on color who both had some really great moments Chris Patola told us that Judah Mintz is drawing eight and a half fouls per game. And LSU's coaching staff was most worried about how to avoid not fouling Judah Mintz, right? They did not want to put him at the line. And again, when nobody else can score, Judah Mintz shot 15 total free throws in this game. A lot of them coming in the first half. So when Syracuse can't get offense from anywhere else, at least that's what it felt like in the first half, Mintz is consistently getting to the line. And there's only so much you can do, right, from a defensive standpoint when you've got all of Judah Mintz charging at you full head of steam. Obviously, you want to make him earn his points, right? This is someone who likes to get to the rim. But at a certain point, yes, I think even from a Judah standpoint, he recognizes that, right? He Make no mistake, he's trying to get to the line. If you tell him he's getting 15 free throws, he'll take that and run with it. Um, I, I think what's going to be interesting is, and, you know, we'll, we'll hit on this with Mike Barber coming up shortly, but what's going to happen when you have teams that are content to try to pack it in, right, and, and really prevent guys from getting to the cup? 
and not only have that physicality to prevent, you know, the dribble drive, but also, you know, the, the perimeter defense to close out on shooters and, you know, just sort of limit your options. And I think Virginia will probably be Syracuse's first real test when it comes to, um, you know, well, I shouldn't say first real test because obviously the Maui Invitational, those teams were legit. But in terms of it being the ACC opener, this is what you're going to get consistently in terms of the defense, right? Teams that are up to the task, teams that are going to do their homework on Judah and try to get him out of his comfort zone. Something I also wanted to bring up, Ian, is, you know, for, from a Syracuse defensive standpoint, um, whether it's Judah or, or really collectively, it felt like this team took a stride defensively. And I know LSU is not a great team at all. We had John Eads uh, from WAFB on with us on our last edition of the pod to sort of preview where the Tigers are at. And one of the players he made mention of was Will Baker, right, as a guy who has been a bright spot. SU neutralized him. Three points, one of five. He had no impact on this basketball game. Not only that, Tigers didn't have anything going from range either. I mean, you shoot two for 22 from three, you're going to find you're, you're not going to have a, a, an easy time winning games when, when the percentages are that poor. So I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's the fact that Syracuse's defense took strides. Judah Mintz took over the basketball game, mentioned that eight Oh run to start half number two combined with the fact that very clearly documented LSU still has plenty of issues to sort out. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Baker got in some early foul trouble too. He did. I think, I, I think he only a... finished with three, but the early ones didn't do, you know, didn't help at all. He didn't play, he didn't play a majority of the first half. Yeah. And he McLeod kind of took him out of the game too. Mm-hmm. too. A couple early blocks. I think Malik Brown had a big one too. And Syracuse protected the rim well early on. And even though LSU kept getting those offensive rebounds, it was long board after long board and then three after three after three. And those three pointers had no chance of going in, especially yeah. in the second half. Just the the opening ten minutes of the third quarter, the third quarter of the game, 
or, you know, the first 10 minutes of the second half, Syracuse outscored LSU 33 to 14. So combine that with the last 10 minutes of the second half, that's 50 to 24 in the middle 20 minutes of the basketball game. Syracuse put LSU away like really early in the second half. Lee got up to double digits after that 8-0 run, and then Chris Bell, out of nowhere, summoned Thor's hammer and just let it rip and then finished the game 6 of 10 from behind the arc. And I think five of those threes came in probably about a four, three to four-minute span in the second half. Yeah, he finished with 20 points all told, and if I'm not mistaken, I think that's his second straight home game where he hit the 20 mark. So good to see Bell starting to turn a corner. Um, you hate to be the glass half empty guy, Ian, but one thing Dude, that well, usually was, that's me, yeah. <laughs> well, normally that is you. I, I'm gonna, you know, do my best Ian impression here in terms of a concern I have. Um, JJ Starling was not particularly good in this game. Didn't have a bucket from the field. Um, finished 0 of six, three points. And I know it's okay because you know Judas sort of gave you the game that he did, and you know. Syracuse ended up blowing him out of the gates anyway, but I think, you know, that that's concerning to an extent, right? Like, how could it not be? You didn't bring J.J. Starling in to only score three points, and obviously everyone's going to have their off nights. Um, but against a team, albeit a Power 5 team, that doesn't have a whole lot to write home about, um, you would hope that one of your premier players, so to speak, would be able to take advantage a little more than he did. Um, do you have a similar feeling or are you not pressing the panic button as much? No, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. They, again, the broadcast pointed out well that Starling was not having a good night and consistently did it, even though Syracuse was up 20, because this is a kind of team where there are always going to be things to improve. There's right. never going to be a game where you say Syracuse played its best basketball of the season until we're at least into 2024. Starling didn't get to the rim at all. That's his, that's his main issue right now. He's seeing someone cut off that driving lane and he's either stopping for a long two or he's passing it around the perimeter. He doesn't have that extra burst or that extra level of aggression that Mince has right now to go right at someone and draw contact or make it tough on the defense. He's got to have a bit more of that, you know, that moxie to keep on going. Right now, in fouls drawn per 40 minutes, it's just around three per game. And again, Judah's up closer to nine. If these guys are going to be comparable players, if Starling's going to play second fiddle, he's got to start drawing more fouls and he's got to get aggressive. Because again, if you can't shoot threes, get your points at the line. Another easy source of buckets. And again, maybe that's something where it's just getting used to it, right? You talk about Starling being the guy in Notre Dame a year ago, a fighting Irish squad that did not have a whole lot to write home about outside of J.J. Starling. So I'm sure it's an adjustment, right? Not only to have a backcourt mate that is similar to you in terms of skill set, but also, you know, an NBA type guy down the road, and right? And flush so, with confidence too. Exactly. You give it, Judah the ball, gonna he's not going to be twice. Right. And that's the message we've been preaching with the Syracuse team for a while now is that, you know, these things don't happen overnight. Uh, but the but the starling lack of production offensively, at least in this LSU game, seems to just sort of be the latest wrinkle in all of that. 
The only bummer is against a team like Virginia, if Starling has one or two bad shots, Cavs can shut you off right away. Right. We'll get into the Virginia matchup a bit more. Game is Saturday at noon at John Paul Jones Arena. And after this message from BetMGM, we'll have our conversation with Richmond Times Dispatch beat writer Mike Barber. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM Sportsbook for this college basketball season. We're going to be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and predictions throughout the college basketball season. And we are going to have special offers for you, the listeners and the viewers on the field of 68, each and every week during the season. If you haven't signed up with BetMGM yet, use the bonus code FIELD1500 and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager on BetMGM Sportsbook. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD1500. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if that bet loses. Just make sure you use the bonus code FIELD1500 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When crossing the state borders, just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, we do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, parlay odds boosts. So download the BetMGM app today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Time to look forward. We've got a special guest with us on the field of 68. Red is the new orange. Ian Unsworth, Johnny Gadamwitz, and Mike Barber of the Richmond Times-Dispatch. He covers all things Richmond, all things Virginia, and you can check out his work there mike thanks for taking the time yeah good to talk to you guys so starting with virginia tony bennett's got a really revamped roster right the names of last year whether it's Jaden gardner or ben vonderplas or kihei clark all those guys are gone so what's the team been like with all these new faces getting used to each other and you're right, it's completely remade and looks that way. Now, Reese Beekman's decision to come back uh, has kind of 
brought them some continuity, and it also makes the roster make sense. Uh, Beekman, you mentioned Kihei Clark. Beekman played off the ball when Kihei was here for 27 years uh, running the point. Beekman's able to play on the ball now, and the new pieces they've brought in, I think, fit really well together, right? They brought back Ryan Dunn, who's an athletic wing. They brought back Isaac McNeely, who's a really good shooting uh, two-guard type. He's able to put it on the floor a little more this year, mid-range stuff. But at the end of the day, it's kind of the new pieces that are making this thing go. And uh, Jake Groves, the transfer from Oklahoma, you mentioned Vanderplas. Groves is kind of in that role. He's the stretch four, give you a shooter on the wing, but he can also go inside a little bit. Uh, they have not really gotten any production yet out of Jordan Minor, the transfer from Merrimack. Uh, we'll get into the rebounding thing here, I'm sure, in a bit. But he was supposed to kind of solve some of the rebounding issues. That hasn't yet happened. So, it, it is a completely remade roster, but at the end of the day, it, it's still Tony Bennett basketball. It, it starts with pack line defense. It starts with being efficient on offense, taking shots you're going to hit, and not turning the ball over. So uh, in that regard, it, it looks the same, but certainly uh, the pieces are very different. And the defense, certainly the the backbone, feels like it always will be with Bennett at the helm. I mean, you talk about last time out for Virginia, holding a top 15 A&M squad to 47 points their previous low on the year was 73. So, Mike, in your eyes, defensively, what worked so well for Tony Bennett's crew to sort of neutralize AM? And how do you see that sort of translating to a dynamic Syracuse backcourt in Judah Mintz and J.J. Starling? Yeah, it's been interesting to watch because this is a really athletic Virginia defense. So they're blocking more shots. They're getting more steals. And I think for me, I looked at that and said, wow, this is a great defense. And Tony Bennett looks at it and says, well, we're blocking shots because we're giving up penetration or we're getting a steal because we're allowing them to swing the ball more. So I think there's still some screws to be tightened for Virginia defensively. What I see is a team that, you know, in, in a less athletic version, I think they would lose a bunch of these early season games as they're figuring it out. This team is figuring out the pack line, all those new pieces we were just talking about, but they're so athletic that even when they screw up a little bit, they can get a block at the rim or an athletic steal to save them. Now, against A&M, I thought it was pretty wild. I thought they played great defensively. I thought that athleticism showed up. The big problem for this team is they can't rebound. They're just not big. They can't rebound. It's not going to change. People say, oh, he's got to do this. He's got to do that. There's nothing you can do. You're not going to get your guys bigger in the next three months. This is what you got. And to watch it against A&M, A&M rebounded almost 50% of its missed shots, which is staggering. You, you, you should lose when that happens. Uh, but what Virginia did was instead of giving up an offensive rebound that was a stick back, they'd give up the offensive rebound, but they were in position to push A&M back out. And they made A&M work again against the pack line. So despite giving up all those offensive rebounds, it didn't hurt them as much as it should. That, that was a key thing. And I think that athleticism... And that sort of stoutness of not giving up the easy second chance buckets, I think that's going to be big again against Syracuse. We know Syracuse can't rebound to save its own life. The first half against LSU was a complete mess when it came. I think LSU had 13, maybe 14 offensive boards going into halftime. So it could be a battle of weaknesses at that point. I noticed Reese Beekman going into that A&M contest was questionable, I think, with, with some sort of leg problem. But he played just fine, and he locked down Wade Taylor, who's A&M's best player by far. He was, I think he's supposed to be preseason All-SEC first team, super experienced. Uh, how did Beekman look, and how have you seen him take a step forward? 
Yeah, he is a, a better player this year, more complete, and that's impressive because he, he's been good in the past. He's still the best defender in the conference, uh, on ball, off ball. It doesn't, he can do it all. Um, he, he's saved them at times offensively. Uh, he's a better finisher at the rim. His ball handling is great. His, his outside shot still isn't anything you're scared of. Um, there were a ton of NBA scouts there for the A&M game, and, and Reese was obviously one of the main guys, if not the main guy they were looking at. Uh, he was hurt. He, he's got either a knee or a quad. He was wearing a compression sleeve. Uh, they weren't sure he was going to be able to go. You could tell he was laboring, but he shut down Wade Taylor, who is. He's the SEC preseason player of the year. Um, I thought his defense was remarkable and probably impressed some NBA scouts knowing that he wasn't uh, full speed and full go and was able to do that. So he's taken his game to another level uh, offensively and defensively, and I think maybe I think I've lost track, but I think it's four times this year they've been either end of half or end of game um, with the ball, you know, and he's been the guy every time in that possession. Now he's done some different things. He's tried to dribble penetrate at least twice. I can remember he tried for a pull up near the elbow once, but he, he is the guy now that makes this team go. And just speaking of defense, we should note that Judah Mintz scored a combined 38 points in two games against Virginia last year. That's probably the matchup we're getting, and it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, well, and the Syracuse backcourt is outstanding. I, I think it's it's going to be so interesting. I, we were talking before we started recording, but to me, to just watch Syracuse, they just look so different than what I'm used to for so many years, and I'm sure it's that way for you guys. Uh, but this is a really small ball kind of athletic run the floor, it seems like, Syracuse team. Um, and it will be interesting because Virginia obviously doesn't want to run the floor. When you're defending Judah Mintz, I think you have no choice. You've got to run with him where he's going to run away from you. Uh, but they've got guys who can do it, right? Uh, Beekman, we just talked about, but they've got a lot of athletic pieces. I think the thing that hurts uh, Virginia in this matchup, I think Dante Harris, the transfer from Georgetown, was a great fit for this game uh, because of that Syracuse backcourt with Mintz and Starling. I think if you have Beekman and Harris together on the floor, which Virginia had din- done sometimes, uh, I think that's a really intriguing offense versus defense matchup. Harris rolled his ankle. He missed the last game. We don't expect him to be ready for this weekend. Ankles are funny, right? He could be back today. He could be out for three weeks. We don't know. Uh, it's one of the reasons they burned the red shirt on Elijah Gertrude, uh, the bouncy freshman from from New Jersey. So it, that part will be interesting. But I think that um, overall, Virginia has the athleticism now to defend a player like Mintz. And it's not just about Reese Beekman locking him down. Well, we'll sort of keep it in the backcourt then, I guess, you know, another player who is who has taken some strides this year, Isaac McNeely, uh, you know, a reserve type guy last year who saw plenty of action off the bench. But now this year has really sort of become a focal point in what ways, Mike, have you kind of seen his game evolve here as time has gone on? Yeah, going back to A&M, I, I thought it was interesting when Beekman went out because just to rest or if the leg was bothering him, it was McNeely who they matched up on Taylor, and he held his zone. He was fine. He didn't get exploited. That's surprising to me. I mean, McNeely is a, a very sound defender. He's a very good defender. He's committed on that end. He's not the athlete that, that Reese Beekman is. Uh, I was really impressed with his defense. Offensively, he's done a nice job of expanding his game, and, and not that it wasn't there a year ago, but he was a catch-and-shoot guy a year ago. That was his role. It it wasn't that they didn't believe he could do more. They didn't need him to do more. That's what they wanted from him. This year, they're asking him to handle the ball more. 
They're asking him to drive and find that mid-range. They're asking him to get penetration, get to the rim at times. And he's done it all really effectively. Now, he showed flashes of that last year where you know guys were so afraid of his three-point shot, they'd come flying out on him, and he'd put the ball on the floor and go around them, pull up for that mid-range. That's a bigger part of his game now. So I really like the way he's developed, uh, the way Dunn has developed. Those are the two sophomores they played heavily. And then Leon Bond the third, who they redshirted. Um, that class... You know, people say, is it another big three, right? DeAndre Hunter, Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome. Probably that's a bit much, but it's a really good group. Ian Unsworth, Johnny Gadamowitz, and Mike Barber from the Richmond Times-Dispatch breaking down Syracuse, Virginia. You mentioned the inside guys a little bit, Mike, and Virginia is kind of a smaller team this year. They don't have a Caden Shedrick or a Jay Huff or at least a big presence inside. Meanwhile, Syracuse got a seven foot four dude that has Godzilla arms blocking shots. So, how do you think Virginia handles Naheem McLeod's presence in the paint? You know, the pack line is designed for that, right? So, you know, they're not afraid to post trap. Uh, a big part of, of what they do is denying the ball to guys like that. But then if they do catch it, having that double team come quick, they're going to be down uh, on the ball uh, in his hands, trying to knock it away. The interesting thing here, and I don't know that he'll hold up, but Blake Buchanan, the freshman, he's six foot ten. They've gone with him from the opening start. You know, they knew, hey, this guy is ready to play. He's ready to contribute. He's raw. He makes mistakes. It will be interesting to see if they go small and just post trap, post trap, post trap, or if they try to see if if Buchanan can match up there. And uh, Buchanan has great athleticism for a guy that size. So I think he'll be able to, if nothing else steal some defensive minutes there um, again not that they won't post trap when he's in the game certainly he's going to need some help too but I think that's going to be really interesting because they don't really have another post presence I mentioned Jordan Minor, the transfer from Merrimack I think the thought was he was going to be the starting five man and it just hasn't panned out for whatever reason he's not a lineup regular he's kind of the last guy off the bench right now um, but I think Buchanan could could be an interesting key piece kind of swing piece in this matchup as we wake up on this Friday morning when we're recording this, Virginia sits at 32 as far as Ken Palm is concerned. You look at the AP, Mike, and it's a UVA team that was there briefly earlier in the year before um, back in mid to, to late November, we can call it. Uh, but in your eyes, you know, what what's it going to need to take for this Virginia squad to maybe get a little bit more respect and a number in front of its name, like the Dukes, like the Carolinas, like the Miamis of the ACC, as far as that AP top 25 is concerned. Yeah, you know, it, it, sometimes it's easy to criticize that poll. And in this case, I'm, I'm on their side. I didn't bother voting this year. I voted football. Basketball's just too many work, man. There's just too many damn games. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Virginia to me is an unknown. And I think that's what the voters are saying. And when Virginia was unbeaten, they were saying, hey, okay, they're an unknown. That doesn't mean they're bad. They look pretty good. And then Wisconsin just bushwhacked them. I went down to Fort Myers, Florida to watch them in that event, and Wisconsin just crushed them on the glass. It was a huge thing, and I think the voters said, okay, there is a fatal flaw in this Virginia team. They cannot rebound the basketball, and they cannot beat teams that do. That's the end of story. Take them out of the poll. We're done. Now, the A&M win, I wouldn't be surprised if they move back into the poll because, one, that's a huge quality win. Buzz Williams for all we can say about Buzz Williams, he's got a great team uh, out there at A&M. I think they're going to be title contenders in the SEC. That's like an Elite Eight level, maybe Final Four level team. So that win by itself, I think, is going to grab some attention. 
But if you're a basketball junkie, you look at the way it happened, and you look at the fact that they did get crushed on the glass, and they found a way to mitigate that with the turnovers, with the defense, and with forcing forcing A&M to work for second-chance points, not just get stickbacks. I think a lot of voters, if they're diving in, are going to say, here's the problem with Virginia, and now I know what the solution is. So I guess the follow-up there then, obviously the Wisconsin game, game that they lose by 24 points, is that a formula that you think other teams now going up against UVA try to replicate in terms of getting the best of them? Yeah, I don't know if it's something you can replicate. I think if you're a good rebounding team, then you're going to hope to exploit that. And you're going to go into the game and say, hey, look, if we get an offensive rebound, let's get back up on the glass, even if we're drawing a foul. And I think if you're Virginia, you're going to say, look, we're a bad rebounding team, and they're going to get offensive rebounds. Let's make sure we're in position to drive them out and make them work for 30 seconds against the pack line again. And I think every game for Virginia is going to be sort of a cliche, but that battle of wills. Okay, is it offensive rebound stick back? If it is, Virginia loses. Is it offensive rebound? force the ball back out and defend again, then I think Virginia's going to grind people down and do what they did to A&M. So, you know, I, I think you've got to be who you are when you play Virginia. I think you've got to be patient offensively. Um, but teams that capitalize on the offensive glass will beat Virginia. Teams that don't will not. Well, patience hasn't exactly been the Orange's strong suit as of late. Honestly, Mike, when I look up and down the Cavaliers' schedule, that Memphis game in a couple of weeks, talk about physicality and rebounding. That'll be an interesting test to see if the Cavs have taken steps forward. But Syracuse-wise, this weekend should be an interesting matchup to see if the the run-and-gun of the Orange can keep pace with the pack line Cavaliers. Mike Barber of the Richmond Times-Dispatch, thank you for some insight on the Cavs. Thanks for having me. You can check him out at RTD underscore Mike Barber on Twitter. And, of course, drop us a follow on Twitter F68 underscore Cuse, and you can listen wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for joining us.